You know, when I was younger, I was a little bit harder and I didn't cry and weep over things like that, the Word of God. But, you know, the older I get, the, I don't know, the more tenderhearted I get about the things of God and seeing as many people as I have in my life and even my own family and, and watching God work in people's lives, it just has a way of, of just uh, making you so appreciative of all that Jesus has done for us. Amen. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, the, the series that I'm going into, I've, I've called it identity. And I think that's the case. Like God's always working on my identity in Christ. God's always working on your identity in Christ, but it's up to us to give him permission to work on our identity. Amen. I said, amen. Y'all going to let me preach this morning. If you're going to do that, you got to participate. All right. Uh, this, we, don't, we don't want it to be a lecture. We, we want it to be uh, an exchange. Amen. I might be sharing the word, but there's an exchange from the body of Christ that takes place. If I say something you believe the word of God declares, say amen. If I say something that the word of God declares and, and uh, it's hitting you know, right where you're at in life, where you need to make a change, say, oh me. <laughs> that didn't go over so well. Amen? amen. Oh me. All right. <laughs> so uh, in this series today, what I want to focus on is dealing with our identity crisis. I want to focus today on dealing with our identity crisis. We all have one. It's like, I don't have an identity crisis. Actually, we do. The Bible says that the spirit wars against the flesh. And we can be born again. We can come to Christ and his spirit lives on the inside of us. But our flesh is warring against what God is trying to do in us. Amen. And so we have an identity crisis. We have the flesh that, you know, it wants us to be like, you know, the world. You know, the devil would want to influence this, to us to be more like the world. And, and then yet the spirit of God is always drawing us to be more like Christ. Amen. And so we are always wrestling with that identity crisis in our life to be more like Jesus, to have his identity more than anything else that, that, we, uh, that other people would see, if you will. And let me give you this. The Bible says this, that God is changing and transforming us as believers, as a body of believers. He's changing and transforming us into the very, say very, the very likeness and image of his son, Jesus Christ. God is at work in us to make us like Jesus. Amen. The Bible says that the work that he's begun in us, he will perform until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't want him to quit on me. The Bible says that he won't quit on me, but it's up to me not to quit on him. Amen. And so we need to deal with that identity crisis uh, as it comes. Uh, let me give you the, if you will, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it sets, if you will, that declaration of our new identity. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let me read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. you no longer who you used to be. Amen? Definitely on the inside. Now, I'll tell you, when I got born again, when I got saved, uh, the grace of God impacted my life, and I remember just going, I, I, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I, I want God, I want to be like Jesus. How do I do that? I invited him in. And when he came in, by his spirit, indwelled my body. Say, inner gay. 
Uh, it's, it's where we get the word energy from. There's a power of God. One of the words for power is energe, the inner dwelling power of God. It's like the electricity running through these walls, right? Um, you know, that electric that's running, you see the effects of it and how it, it causes the lights to work and the, the, the sound to work and all those things. But how many of you walk up and just stick your finger in a light socket? You know what I'm saying? There's power in there. There's power in Christ. That power comes on the inside of us to, to dwell. And then, say dunamis. See, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that God poured out his spirit upon all flesh. He poured his spirit out on the day of Pentecost. And what happened was, is there was an explosion, not a literal explosion, but an explosion where the power that was in those people by their faith in Christ all of a sudden came out in a manifestation of gifts. And as those gifts manifested, you know, we think of tongues that, that happen. How many get freaked out by tongues? Raise your hands if tongues freaks you out. It's okay. It's all right. No, no keep them high. Here's why. All right. Here's the deal. It's okay to be freaked out by that. I can tell you before I spoke in tongues, I was freaked out by it too. You want to know something? After I spoke in tongues, I was freaked out by it. <laughs> and I'm still freaked out by it sometimes. Like, how is that even possible? It's not me that's producing that. It's me being changed into the likeness and image of Christ that causes that to happen. It's a gift of God's spirit. It's not a gift of Derek Sissel. It's a gift of God's spirit working in me that manifests something that's not possible otherwise without God. So, so I say that, and then I would say, here's the deal. Tongues tend to be the ones that freaks people out because how do you speak another language when you don't know another language? Prophecy is, is a little unnerving for people as well. Would you agree? It's like somebody comes up and they start saying something to you. You're like, okay, that's exactly what's going on in my life. And, I mean, has this per person bugged my house? I, I can tell you this. How many people, through a message, we're all talking about the issues of our life, you know, be it in marriage, being in our family, you know, maybe the kids are acting up. I mean, you know, maybe, you, you know, you, you went a little overboard and, you know, your kid mouthed at you and you did the backhand thing and you're thinking, oh, dear God, please don't let anybody find out I did that. Social services will come take my kid. You know, we get in those, those, those moments, right, where things are happening. And the reality is, is what we need to do is we need to be renewed into the image of Christ because our response is different in situations. Amen. You look at your kid and you start, you know, they do something. And you go, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for little Jojo right now that he'll stop. And they're like, what are you telling God on me right now? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You know, take our, our, our issues and our matters to God. Now, I know that we have to, you know, deal with things and discipline our children and, and communicate through our challenges. But I want you to know that, that God is at work in you. And oftentimes what can happen is, is that you get a picture of yourself it's not the picture that God has of you. You can kind of, you know, think that, you know, well, maybe I'm not worthy of God to work on me. You start getting in those places and what happens is, is you, you devalue yourself when God has highly valued you. How, how high has he valued you? See, see that, that idea of, of working on your identity in Christ is to pursue him in relationship. But if I feel I don't measure up to him, I, you know, it's kind of like, well, I'm not as good as Jesus, and so I'll, I'll hang back here, and if, if God comes and does something and maybe invites me, well, he's always inviting you. Don't devalue yourself by your, the mistakes you make, the things you do wrong that get you in a place of condemnation, regret, and, and, and put you in a place of where you just feel like you're going to stay distant from God. Kind of, I'm close enough to, to have a little bit of God, but I don't want him to really be all there because you'll never be transformed into his image if you don't spend time with him. Amen? 
You got to be close to him. Understand this. He's close to you. Whether you recognize he's close to you or not, he is. The Bible says that he's not a God that's afar off, but he's a God that's near unto us, right? Near to us. He stays close with us. Here's why. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's here right now. For those who have put their faith in Christ, he's living on the inside of you by his spirit. How amazing is that? That, that indicates the value that you have to God. Highly valued. Now, I say that because, you know, I know when I, when I wake up, I look in the mirror in the morning. Uh, you know, I, if you have a good night's sleep, you know, that's great. But, but I don't know. The older I get, now my eyes are puffy. You know, I'm looking in the mirror like, man, you are getting old. Well, you know, yeah, just shave the head. You know, I have these dreams once in a while. Well, I've got a little bit up there. Maybe I could grow it out. You know, I go through all of that kind of outward stuff, looking at it like, God, how can you work something in, in such a, you know, flawed piece, if you will, of clay? He's the potter and we're the clay. Or if you will, I want to use this, uh, this illustration. Have I mean, you ever heard of Michelangelo? How many of you ever heard of the statue of David? You know, that's like, you know, a, like one of the things to see, you know, the statue of David in one of Michelangelo's works. It's one of his greatest works, right? Well, he had a whole team that he led uh, chiseling out the statue of David, if you will. Um, but when Michelangelo was given the slab of marble that he was given for that project, uh, history tells us that Michelangelo thought it was a subgrade piece of clay, or, uh, marble. He didn't think it was a, a very good one, but it had enough value that it wasn't something that was to be discarded. They wanted it to be used. And so Michelangelo accepted that project and started to work on the statue of David with his team. And what we know is he made a masterpiece. Isn't that right? And oftentimes we can devalue ourselves. We think that we're, we're, we're not enough for God to work with. But I want you to know our God is big enough to work with anybody that's willing to let him work on them. Tweet that right now. God is big enough to work on anybody that is willing to let God work on them. Amen? So I'll move forward here and I want to ask you this. Do you believe that you are being made into the new creation that God says you are? You, you know, you can't do anything to improve upon your born-again experience. God made you alive by His Spirit. You can't, you can't improve on that. But God can improve on how that manifests outward in your life is his image being reflected in the rest of your life. Amen. Now I ask you that. Do you see yourself as the new creation that God declares that you are? If you can start to see yourself the way God sees you, then I believe you start to become more and more like Jesus by simply yielding to it and accepting it and, and if you will, being obedient to what God asks you to do. Amen. So here's what I want to do. I want to challenge us first and foremost to recognize a few areas that helps us to deal with our identity crisis. Number one, that Christ changes our identity. It's Christ that changes our identity. He's the one that changes our identity. Ephesians uh, 2.10 says this, God has made us what we are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, God made us new people so that we would spend our lives doing good things he had already planned. Listen, that he had already planned for us to do. Not will plan, 
if we do something. No, he's already planned it. It's up to us to move to it, understand that Jesus, Christ is the one that changes us, amen? He changes our identity. Look at John 3, 1 through 7 here. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a, a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus, and he said, Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. That's that born-again experience, that moment where I'm talking about he comes in and lives on the inside of you, transforms you from the inside out. It starts to permeate every other part of your being. Why? Because you're no longer that person, you're the new person. And it might not, uh, that old person might not all be gone because the, the shell of a, our body and, and our mind, the way we've been trained, the things that we've learned are still there trying to affect that, right? Spirit warring against the flesh. But I'm going to tell you, greater is he that's in me. Say it with me. Greater is he. I know, let's do this better. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So there that is. It's that living on the inside and, and it's permeating every part of your being that in a sense God's chiseling you, that image of his son, from the inside out, not from the outside in. It's not conformity, it's transformation. Number two, the second thing that we need to recognize with regard to dealing with our identity crisis is God loves us as we are, but loves us too much to leave us that way. He loves you just as you are. All your imperfections, he loves you, but he loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. He's going to work on you. He's always going to invite you to come with him, to be a part of, of what he's offering, but he's also going to come and challenge you, amen? He's not going to leave you the way you are. He's going to change you. Look at John 1.14. The word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, listen, full of grace and truth. Say grace. Now say truth. Full of grace and truth. Grace and, grace and truth, the grace and truth of God its work in our lives is a pretty amazing work. Because here's how it goes. Write, write this down. This is your next blank. Grace draws us while truth can disturb us. Grace draws us while truth can disturb us. I mean, you read something in the Bible, you knew you were being disobedient to God and it disturbed you just a little bit. Well, only one person. Thank you. So, yeah. How many of you ever read the Bible? And you read, so you're like, oh, yeah, not quite doing that. And it disturbed you just a little bit. Give me an amen if that's true. Amen. Okay. Truth can disturb us a little bit, right? It, 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 here's kind of what it's like. I, I remember hearing a preacher say one time, I'm here to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Some of you got that. You know, we, we get in that, that state of, you know, our comfort zone and, and we want to stay there. But the word of God comes and it challenges us to move a little bit further with Jesus. Amen. So, so, but the beauty of grace is this, is that grace comes along and it, it is so drawing. 
the grace of God is so inviting to us. I want to be with it. When I feel that unmerited favor, I don't have to earn anything from God. He loves me. And he's not asking me, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that. No, I want to help you to be like my son, which will cause you to do this and do that. Come on. Those are two different ways of those things happening. Obedience out of desire is very different out of duty. Right? The Pharisees did everything they did out of duty. They just didn't have any life in them. Jesus called them whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. Why? Because they had the outward form but didn't have an inner life. In Christ, we have inner life that produces an outward form, a new identity. Amen? And then uh, the next blank, I want you to write this down. Grace invites us to be free. Grace invites us to be free, but it is truth that sets us free. The Bible says it is the truth that will make you free. Isn't that right? Grace invites us to be free. Truth is what sets us free. So God in his grace, I want to say the phrase that I said uh, a little bit different. God in his grace then meets us where we are. But his truth takes us where he is. God in his grace meets us where we are, but through truth moves us to where he is. We become more like him. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. Take a moment there. And I want you to just, what's the spirit speaking to you? You know, hopefully there's some areas where you're feeling, what's the grace of God speaking to me right now? Have I been too hard? Have I dismissed like a God? I just am never going to be able to to be accepted by God. I'm never going to be able to get this right. I'm never going to be able to be the Christian I want to be. You know, what's the grace of God saying to you right now? And what's truth? Say, just take a moment right where you're at. And I want you to have one thing, one thing. The grace is speaking to you right now. And what's one thing? The truth is speaking to you right now. I want you to write that down in those blanks. my hope that whenever you hear a sermon that it wasn't something that just you know tickled your ears made you feel like you know well that was really cool I hope it's something that always has an invitation to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and that also has a challenge to you for the changes the things that Jesus might be wanting to do in your life to move you to a to a new and better place amen so number three This is the big one. This is the big one. This is the challenge. If I'm not changing, I might not really know God. If I'm not changing, do I really know God? If I'm in a relationship with the the living God, the all-powerful creator of the universe, if I'm in a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed so much that I might, listen, that, that what he gave, right, he who knew no sin became sin, that I might be the righteousness of God in Christ. So, So I'm a sinner, he takes the sin and all of a sudden gives me, through his grace, righteousness, but I have to accept the truth of what he did, right? So that that can begin to transform who I am. So if I'm not changing, maybe I don't know the living God. Maybe I'm not getting to know the living God. I'm born again, but I'm not growing I, that's what I'm saying about if you're close to him, you can't help but grow. 
You can't help but be more like him when you're around him. Amen. So, so don't give up on pursuing God. First John 2, 4 through 6 says this. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. <laughs> I didn't say it, guys. I mean, you don't be getting mad at me. <laughs> and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Go get a red letter edition Bible and you can find out what that looks like. Now, the whole Bible absolutely is the counsel of God. I'm just saying you want to see the life of Jesus and you're like, man, I'd like to get a quick tutorial on what. what so what does that mean? What was the life of Jesus like? How did he walk? How did he live? Get a red letter edition Bible and just read all the red print. And you'll see, you get what I'm saying, the, the testimony of all that he did. Uh, now, I, I do say to you that if you want the full picture, you have to have uh, from Genesis to Revelation. Because here's the deal. I already read that scripture. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among men. That's your whole Bible. Whether it's in an app or it's on paper. Right? It's your Bible. Read your Bible. 1 John uh, 5 and 3 says this. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. That, that when I read the commands of God, to love God, to love others, when I read that and, and how that translates in, in my interaction with people, that I don't see it as a burden. No, no. Understand, in my, in my spirit man, in, in my born again nature, to forgive somebody for wronging me is not hard. For my flesh, remember what I was saying, I'm being transformed into his, you know, that my identity is being changed in Christ. But my flesh is saying another thing. Forget that. Anybody? That may be a husband or a wife, kids or parents, whatever it may be, work colleagues. But I'm telling you right now, getting that stuff right and keeping that stuff clean, Right? In other words, don't, don't store those things up. The Bible talks about that it embitters our heart. Now we're at a whole other level then, right? You know, the bitter heart leads to an evil heart of unbelief. All of a sudden, we don't believe that God can work in our life like we used to believe. When I first got born again, there was nothing I read in the Bible that would go, absolutely, man, that's possible. That, that initial experience, and I saw miracle after miracle. And then I encounter things, and what happens is, is my heart gets cluttered, and I, you know, pastor or not, I go through things too and my heart gets cluttered with stuff and, and I find out I don't believe like I used to believe that things are as possible. And then I work on cleaning the garden out, cleaning out the, the rocks in the soil and the thorns that have grown up. And come on now, we all got to do that if we want to be changed into his likeness and image to have God's identity. So let me give you three ways to let God help you deal with your identity crisis. Let him help you with your identity crisis. Number one, get past who we were and focus on who God wants us to become. We gotta get past who we were and focus on who God wants us to become. Romans 1.1 1, 1 says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. He knew. He knew the, 
the, the stamp, the image, the call, he knew exactly what God had called him to do. And he pursued that with everything he could. And that's why when we read today, we go, man, Paul was kind of transformed. He gave us, you know, more than two-thirds of the New Testament, right? He delivered more than two-thirds of the New Testament that we read. And I would say that we see a lot of the image of Christ. Paul didn't profess himself to be a perfect man. Isn't that true? Right? When I want to do right, I end up doing the wrong thing is what he said. He gives us that example to go, man, if Paul the Apostle was trying, wanted to do right, and ended up doing the wrong thing, now it wasn't permission to do the wrong thing because he said, oh, wretched man that I am. <laughs> and he seeks God at some point, you know, about a thorn in his flesh. Uh, many, some say that he had a, uh, a sickness. Others said it was just a demon to buffet him, you know, which is what the Bible says um, that, you know, some say, well, maybe he was married and he had a mother-in-law. I thought that was kind of cruel. No, men, that is not permission to, you know, give your mother-in-law a hard time. I'm saying there's a lot of conjecture around that, but what we do know is it was a demon that the Bible says was buffeting or, or basically punching him around in his flesh. And he sought the Lord three times. God, take this away from me. Take this away from me. Take this away from me. Anybody know what God said to him? My grace is sufficient for you. There's that grace that God invites us in, right? And, and funny enough, my grace, right? Here, Paul, here's my grace. And then what does he do? He challenges him. It's sufficient for you. Move on, Paul. Keep doing what you're doing. Because that demon that's buffeting you, that, that demon's punching around on you, it's actually keeping you because as, as knowledgeable as you are, as effective as you are for the gospel, this is what it says. That demon's keeping you from being lifted up in pride that crazy like but God could take that demon he could just immediately say well no that demon's not going to do that anymore we got to understand that God didn't send the demon the demon you guys have demons that are banging around on your life too right pushing you around sometimes and what you got to see is, is that you know what uh, recognize that God's grace is sufficient let it keep inviting you keep pursuing God and let your relationship with God continue to transform your identity Deal with your identity crisis, amen. Colossians 3, 7 through 8 says this. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these and that whatever distracts you from God, you, you want to be dealing with that. And the greatest way to deal with it is to build that desire to just be in relationship with God and pursue Him. And you'll find that He will transform you by His power and those things just aren't as inviting to you anymore. God's more exciting than those things. Amen. Number two, the second thing, uh, way to let God help you with your identity crisis, give God permission to change everything. Give God permission to change everything. Not some things, everything. See, when I, well, God, you can change this or you can change that. Does God have all of me? God gave all that he could give to win us, to receive us to himself. We should respond in like kind and say, God, there's nothing in my life that you can't change. You can change everything. Psalms 37, 4 through 6 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justiceness justice as the noonday and your justice as the noonday Philippians 2 13 
For God is working in you. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You want to know? Uh, God will give you the desires of your heart. Great. I want a, you know, uh, a million dollar mansion on the beach somewhere. It's not necessarily what God's working in my life, but I'd like it. It's funny, the desires of my heart, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. There's nothing wrong with you having stuff. Let's make that clear. But if stuff distracts you from God, let me say, it's idolatry. It becomes what you worship. It becomes what's most important. And I don't know about you, but I have to work on that stuff and I have to put those things back in right alignment sometimes. But I know that what happens, my desire for God kind of wanes when other things become more important. And I want God to always be most important in my life. Amen. And, and finally, finally, allow the change to begin today. Today, not well, you know what, maybe in a month I'll start doing this. Allow it to begin today. Today is always the day of salvation. You might be born again. But like we've said many times here at Gateway, you're saved. You're being saved. And one day you will be saved. Let each and every day be a day of salvation where salvation is being worked out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling unto God. I like what Rachel said about, you know, on our road or we're all in a different place on our journey. And so often what can happen is, is we look at somebody else and, and start doing the comparison thing, right? It's like, well, I'm doing better than they are. Well, that's great. Keep going. Or they might catch up to you. There's nothing wrong with that, but you get me, right? It's like if I compare myself to other people, I'm comparing myself to the wrong person. I need to compare myself to Christ. Let him be my example. Be transformed into his image, amen? Listen, the Bible says that they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. I've pastored long enough. I mean, I'm going to tell you from the different giftings that are here that serve in the children's ministry, wherever, you know, do you... Can I get an amen if you understand that pastoring a church is like raising a big family? <laughs> it is. I'm just telling you, you know, they took my toy, you know. Now, it's not like that, but, but I, it's, it's kind of like that. Nobody's arguing over toys. But the different giftings, when Warren comes up here and preaches and I hear his message, I'm like, that was a good message. I hear Vance's message, man, that was a good message. But they're different. Their identity is different than mine in Christ. You know, we're like Christ, but we're still ourselves. There's even things today, even as I'm talking and I go, oh, you know, I wouldn't say that again if I had a chance, you know. But it's just part of that's the just the quirky things about Derek Sissel. Trying to be like Christ and, and be faithful to use his gifts to minister to the body of Christ, to be honest with you. And you all have that. You got gifts in you. I don't want to tell you that Gateway is it's on an amazing road because we have a, a, a releasing and a empowering of more leaders than we've ever done. Let me tell you, when I talk to them, the goal isn't for the empowerment of leaders as much as it is that the leaders are to empower the body of Christ to be who God's called them to be, to equip them for the work of the ministry, to see every single one of you, every single one of you transformed, changed in the likeness and image of Christ, doing what God's called you to do. That when you stand before him on that final day, when you're there standing before your Savior, you're not going to be standing before me. You're not going to be standing before Warren or, or this worship team. That's not where it's going to be. That's a, a, that's a totally different altar than this one. 
This is proclamation that, that our lives might be changed and transformed. That our identity would be the identity of Christ in us. That day you stand before Him and you give an answer for what you did with all the amazing love and, and grace that He poured out. Did you do something with it? Did you allow Him to change you and make you more like Him so that you can impact others with the love of Christ? So I want to challenge all of us over this next week because next week I'll, I'll come back and, and I kind of wrap this two-part series up because I have a couple other amazing ministers from different places in the United States that are coming in. The, the following two, one's from Ohio, the other from California. We're doing a, a young leader, emerging leaders uh, gathering in Denver with Open Bible and Gateway's kind of helping to facilitate that, our team here. Uh, but we're going to have about 70 young leaders at that. And... Uh, be a hundred total with pastors and, and different leaders from Old Bible. Um, but those two pastors will be here for that. One's going to preach on one end of those meetings and the other's going to, yeah, trust me, you're going to be blessed by these guys. They're better preachers than me. Um, if I'm okay. Uh, anyway, no, they're really good though. You'll enjoy them. But look, let me leave you with this this morning. Stand with me. We're going to sing this song as we go. Allow that change to begin today. Listen, listen, close your eyes. Let this scripture penetrate to the very deepest part of your heart. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all, we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. God is changing you by His Spirit, transforming you to be like His Son, Jesus. So follow Him. Let Him be. Let Him be the one that leads the charge in your life. And I don't care what situation you're dealing with, if you make it your highest priority to turn all of that over to Jesus, I, I, I make this solemn promise to you, you will be shocked at the grace of God that comes upon your life and begins to change you and, and the circumstances around you as a result of your faith and what God can do in you.